Alexander the Great wept because there were no more worlds to conquer. On this episode of the Grow with Tim podcast, Jadu and Tim are jumping in to talk about leadership. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another great episode, Talking Through Leadership, here on the Grow with Tim podcast. I'm Jay Du. This is Tim, um, and uh, we're growing with Tim, you know, so I, I'm just here, uh, leading <laughs> and helping facilitate we, the we conversation. we got to rename this thing, because you're a critical part of this, no, but somehow no, no, no. the start, we just didn't M- name it right. Most of what you guys see out there, if you're not just listening to our podcast, which I know many of you probably just listen to the podcast and even binge listen, but uh, on all the social platforms, mostly you just see Tim. So I think it's fine to still be grow with Tim. So I show up from time to time, but I am privileged to be a part of these conversations, helping not just everyone else out there who's that probably growth executive or business coach or manager leveling up in their life and others, but I get to participate too, man. So I appreciate it. Good deal. We're here to talk about leadership today. So the question is, what is leadership? Everything rises and falls with leadership, right? You've heard that. You've experienced that, no doubt. You've experienced good leaders and bad leaders. You've probably worked for them. You've worked with them. They've worked for you. And uh, I guess the first question is, what is leadership? Because if you ask 10 different people what leadership is, you get 10 different answers. So let me ask you. Yeah. What is leadership? Well, that's a, that's a tough one because it's kind of like success and failure, right? We can define success a million different yep. ways, but uh, failure is always defined the same way, and it's failure to achieve your goals, yeah, right? right? But success can be a hundred different things. Even, okay. even failure can be defined different ways, right? I always say failure is only failure if you fail to learn from it. So, <clears throat> all right, but leadership... Leadership, I think, is... Okay, what, what do you got? So Peter Drucker says that leadership is influence. And I yeah. love Peter Drucker. He's okay. the premier management leadership consultant. But I think that falls mm-hmm. short because influence is like, I can point a gun at your head and make you do something. I've got influence, but I'm not really a good leader. So that falls Well, that doesn't mean you are uh, not a leader. It just means you're a bad one. Maybe. See, it's still Maybe leadership because there's leadership by force or position, right? right? But that's really on like the five levels of leadership that I want to get into a little bit later. I believe that's near the bottom. That's number one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's at the base. It's like, you might follow me because you have to. Right. Am I a leader? Well, yeah, but that's a pretty crappy form of leadership, right? We all agree. We all agree. So the the fact that you're questioning my man, Peter Drucker, (laughs) seems a little bit like a little arrogant, maybe. I'll let you keep going. All right. So so the question is, what is leadership? I think that leadership is doing what needs to be done without being told. Okay. That's also incomplete, but it's a good start. So, Well, that seems more like influence from someone else for... Well, I think it's it's self-leadership. For oh, okay. Leadership okay. has to start with self-leadership. So okay. I talk to my employees, right? If if I walk in and I see a piece of paper on the floor, on, you know, on the carpet, and I pick it up, that's actually a form of leadership. It's a pretty elementary form. But it's seeing something that needed to be done. And look, we've got a client coming in five minutes, and they're going to have a bad impression of us if this piece of paper is on the floor. It needs to be done. It doesn't matter that I'm the CEO. I'm going to pick it up because it needs to be done, and I'm not going to wait for somebody else to do it or to tell me to do it. That's actually a base level of leadership. I think leadership is a lot more than that. But at its root, it's seeing something that needs to be done and doing without being told. I think moving on from there, you have – a much more exciting form of leadership is casting a vision Okay, right. where there might be complacency. Yes. Right? So it's like, oh, we're doing our thing. We're happy with the status quo. But look, there's something better. We could have a better tomorrow than our yesterday. 
And the role of a leader is to cast that vision where there's complacency. Well, the scriptures say that where there is no vision, the people perish. So that's a form of the leadership, right? Like you're saying, casting a vision out there in the future, looking at a better tomorrow or looking at what's not there today. I think that really falls in line with entrepreneurship as a definition, right? We're creating something that is currently not there and we're communicating that to other people or the world or right. even ourselves, right? Right. Yeah. So a lot of us get excited, people like me get mm -hmm. excited about vision, but I think leadership, if all you do is cast the vision, you've probably fallen short. Okay. So next, I yep. think you've got to give clarity where there is ambiguity, right? So, okay, um, I'm confused. What exactly is it that you want me to do? Or what exactly is the problem that we're trying to solve? Or what? There, there's ambiguity, and a leader takes that mess and organizes it and, and communicates clearly and gives clarity where there was ambiguity. So I think that's number two. Yeah, I think it's really important. So my question is, are you saying that leadership is also uh, kind of giving responsibility out there to other folks? You know what I'm saying? Like clarity, like... So I'm wondering about I think you're getting ahead the of doing. Me, I, yeah, I, I think that's the third thing, which okay. is giving direction where there's confusion. Okay, got right? it. All right. So uh, you've got to cast a vision. Somebody said that if you want to build a ship, don't like go around and find people and say, hey, go gather wood. Hey, assign this task and this job, right? That's not how to build a ship. All right. The way to build a ship is to tell people about the wonders and immensity of the sea. Mm -hmm. And when they get excited about being on the sea, then you're like, hey, let's build a ship. And and the ship will get done better, faster, cheaper, with more yeah. energy and engagement and alignment than if you say, hey, you go get wood and you drive this nail and right. Right, whatever. I think that um, reminds me of what I've always heard about how Walt Disney crafted his masterpiece, Disney uh, Land, yeah. right? And in 55, when they opened Disneyland, the first thing that they were supposed to build, if I'm thinking right, but it may have been actually Disney World because I'm not as familiar with Disney World. I think World. Disneyland happened first. and then Yeah, Disney, World. yeah, because it was like 1970 Disneyland, Walt Disney um, World Resorts. But they built Cinderella's Castle first. Yeah, you know? everybody got excited. Yeah, about we're that. not going to build the moat. We're not going to build the roads. We're not going to build the train, monorail, trams, or whatever, the teacups, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to build the vision, Cinderella's Castle. Of course, everyone knew that that was a masterpiece of 1940 or 41, whenever they created that film. So that was yeah. what we had to look forward to. And they realized that that monstrosity in the middle of nowhere, right, wherever they were building in the swamps yeah. of yeah. Florida or in the yeah. desert of Southern California – is that was representative of all the smiles they were putting in the kids and the family's hearts. And they all knew that, yeah. you know, so they build that first. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right. So what I want to do for the next few minutes, and if you're listening to this, maybe driving down the road, you probably can't actually do this, but I want you to at least think mentally, and we're going to do it live for you. Okay. I want you to think about uh, three to five leaders that you respect and admire. These might be political leaders. They might be religious leaders. They might be community leaders. They might be business leaders. That um, it, it's some, somebody that you at least know something about, right? You've read a book about right. them, an autobiography yep. or a history book or okay. something. So, um, so Jeremy, right? You've read a book about right. them, an autobiography yep. or a history book okay. or something. So, um, so Jeremy, I'm going to put you on spot. Yeah. When you think of great leaders, give me two, three, four, five names. I would say that. Uh, well, give me a category, I guess. Yeah, okay. So which one? Let's say, I mean, any of the above. Let's let's start with political leaders. Who okay. um, comes to mind as not necessarily yeah. that you agree with all sure. of his yeah. policies, but 
but somebody that you think exhibited good leadership and not just influential, like Hitler had influence. Right, because I think that, that, yeah, I would have said, like, Hitler's a great leader, and from time to time in conversations like this, he gets brought up because, of course, he mobilized whatever it was at the time. I don't know, something like 20 million Germans um, and Austrians at that time. But, uh, okay, political leader in our era, I think that most people would consider a great leader would be, uh, I'll go with I'll go with one of the past American and one of the current American um, species um, would be Ronald Reagan. You took my answer. Man. Okay, and okay. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah okay. both of those are on my yeah. list for sure. Okay, sure. Whether or not you agree with their policies, right, of I think yeah. there are a lot of uh, leadership qualities that we can all agree on on both of those guys. Yeah, right? qualities are there. Okay, Lincoln and, and Reagan for yes. sure. All right, let's say in a in a social space and social reform. Who uh, who comes to mind as a great leader? Um, uh, well, Mark Zuckerberg. Okay. Social reform because he created something. The the mantra and motto behind the vision of Facebook was to connect and share. Yeah. And boy, did he do that across something like two out of seven people in the world. Yeah. Right. It's on, incredible. On Facebook, of course. It's yeah. incredible. Okay. Yeah. Who else? So Martin Luther King comes to mind. Oh, of mind, course. Yeah. And yeah. Martin Luther King. Too, but yeah, you know, of just course. Trying not to pick the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. Martin Luther King in my own one man show. Right. And of course, he mobilized the people to see a vision of a couple of things. Right. The promised land, the uh, greater American experiment, the uh, beloved community and all those things when he gave his dream yeah. to the to the American people. All right. So how about a, a business leader? Um, who can you think of that, that has been, that you respect and admire and you say, I want to, I, w- I would like to follow that kind of person? In business, I think that, uh, I'm, well, I'll give you one that the world out there doesn't know. Okay. And I'll tell you why that's important to me specifically, because yeah. uh, I think that's cool. But uh, one that we all kind of probably know is probably the vision of Steve Jobs yeah. and his leadership, because he clarified what he thought people would really want and they didn't it didn't exist yet at all he wasn't comparing it to anything that had ever existed before so when he came out in 2007 with that iphone there what he there was a lot of pieces that he put out there in the world that didn't exist at all you know and we didn't know that we wanted a phone with no buttons yeah (laughs) we didn't know we didn't know what a phone was that we could take around like that that was also a computer right so there's that one, and there's also another one. Um, there's a man from Birmingham, Alabama, and he died in the 90s. He was 100-plus years old, just over the century mark. His name was A.G. Gaston. A.G. Okay. Gaston was born to previously, uh, well, his grandparents, I believe, were enslaved. Okay. And then his mother, you know, these are um, cotton-picking, indentured servant-type, you know, um, um, sharecropping people of that era. And he... Created uh, so somewhere along the 60s, 70s, 80s, he was the richest black person in America. Okay, and his business was insurance, mostly burial insurance, starting off and trying to come up with. And this man had no education, no education at all. But over the course of the early uh, 20th century, he started to build, recruit, send folks out for a vision of a better and more respectable life mm. and burial mm. and death yep. because that didn't exist for African-Americans. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So hopefully to our listeners, you've thought of some of your own 
people. Maybe you've put Winston Churchill or Queen Elizabeth or Margaret Thatcher. Maybe you've put in um, business leaders like Jack Welch or Steve Jobs or Bob Michael Hunter. Jordan. Sports, Absolutely. right? He made everyone better, apparently, yeah. around him, right? Yeah, right. We all saw the films. Yeah. You've got political leaders. You've got community leaders. You've got maybe religious leaders in there. Here's the question. What knowledge, skills, attitudes, character qualities, habits... Um, do these leaders hold in common? So if, if you're listening and you've got the luxury of actually being able to write it down, I hope you've written down a list of three or four or five leaders that you respect and admire. And now beside it, write down a list of things that you notice about these folks. So again, putting you on the spot, what do you notice about these great leaders that you've mentioned? I think one of the, there's two things that come to mind every time because of some of the skills God has given me and the talents. One is they communicate well. Yeah. They communicate a lot, right? I heard several years ago from someone who I was a local business and social influencer leader that I was kind of under his menteeship, um, as a, a mentorship, as a mentee was uh, leaders are repeaters. Mm. They say the same thing a lot because mm-hmm. you're saying the same old stuff to just new people. Yeah, or you have to remind people about what you said yeah, last right. time. Yeah. So that's one thing. And the other one is a very, very high standard to where they hold themselves. Yeah. They yeah. hold themselves to a standard that no one else actually holds them to. Yeah. Now, we've seen a lot of leaders fall yeah. because of that, right? Yeah. We've held them to a certain level, and they haven't lived up to that in the long run, or we didn't realize they were hiding stuff. But most of the time, I think we would agree that the Michael Jordans of the world, he said, the reason that I was producing at the level I was producing is because I held myself to a higher standard than any other player or coach yeah. or fan. Yeah. I heard a story, and you know that I'm not into sports, and I'm probably going to get the details wrong. I wasn't prepared for this, but um, I, I think it was Jerry Rice, okay, yeah. evidently all-time great football the, player. Right? Yeah, the wide receiver. Yeah, right, right. so I, I, heard, I heard about um, some rookie showing up to practice, okay. and the rookie got there like 45 minutes early, and his, his goal to be there first, right? Okay. Jerry Rice was already there, all right, working out or whatever. And then they, the coach says, okay, we're going to do a little warm-up. And they go out, and the quarterback is, is throwing passes. And they're supposed to line up, and the guy gets the pass. And he runs out and catches the pass and then throws it back to the quarterback, right? And it just re- repeat one after the other. Yep. And so this rookie goes, and he runs out, does his pattern, catches the ball, throws it back, and then Jerry Rice comes up. And, and they're you know way down, three-quarters of the way from – whatever end zone they were yeah, pointing toward. Right. So Jerry Rice catches the ball, but instead of throwing it back to the quarterback, he takes off like a rocket and zigzags his way all the way to the end the, the end zone in the opposite end of the field. And then he runs back and hands the ball back to the quarterback. And this rookie is like, what, what the heck, Jerry? Right. Like, why why'd you do that? And Jerry says, well, um, I have a rule. Every time these hands touch a football, this body ends up in an end zone. And so even in a practice warm-up, right, right. like, he was outworking everybody. Yep. And absolutely, did Jerry Rice have influence over that team? Was he a leader? For sure. And I, I think most of the time, leaders hold themselves to a really high standard. And they're, it, it's not them, you know, riding in a truck, pointing at fingers, dig harder, dig yeah, faster, right? right? right. It's, it's their, uh, they're holding themselves yeah, to a high standard. And I love that story. I've heard it once or twice. As far as I know, you got the details, Good. right? Right. Uh, Look, I go right. to the end zone. I just, yeah. I think I read it or heard it one time. And the second thing that's interesting is when you're communicating that to other people, like you said, he communicated it not to show the rookie what he was supposed to do, 
but what Jerry held himself to. But he even communicated that to other yeah. people, and everyone knew what Jerry was about. And see, I think that communication level and style, and we live in a digital age now, and you can communicate things over the internet, but so important. Can you think of a leader, a good leader, okay, good leader. That, that was not or is not an effective communicator? See, that one's hard because I think there are so many people that are great leaders, but they fall short on what we would consider leadership because they're not good at communicating. I think at a minimum, no doubt there are people who exhibit lots of leadership qualities that are not naturally gifted communicators. But I think it's difficult to see somebody who... um, it's difficult Actually. to think of somebody who could not be better by improving their communication. Yes, I would agree with that. Now, there's actually somebody in our all of our recent memory who's very famous and popular that I went back and watched the footage, as yeah. we would say in sports world, watched film yeah. on it and thought to myself, wait a minute, based on what the world is saying in the news and CNN and Fox and all those people, this person is has been regarded as a good leader in certain circles, but the problem was communication. Yeah. I'm that person, Colin Kaepernick. Mm. So Colin Kaepernick, of course, many of us know that there's all this stuff about kneeling at the national yeah. anthem. Yeah. Now, if you go back, because if you're fuzzy on this type of social type of commentary, and it's just not your thing, totally fine, in terms of black, white, police, brutality, American issues, and things like that, totally fine, NFL or otherwise. But I realized that in the beginning, when they were in the locker room talking to him, still playing for the 49ers, because uh, this is obviously the 49ers episode now at this point, because Jerry Rice and <laughs> uh, Colin Kaepernick is, um, hey, uh, Colin, what would you say about all the folks in the world who are in the community who are saying disrespect to our country, yeah. disrespect to the flag, disrespect to first responders? And he right. said, I have the utmost respect for these people. That's not my issue. Mm-hmm. Also, I have family members who are on the police force and in the military, whatever. No, no, no. I'm kneeling for this police brutality. And I listened to that commentary once or twice that he was giving to reporters. And I thought to myself, his issue is he's not communicating his point well enough. And it was easy for the media to veer to onto wrong. something else. Yeah. It's like he keeps trying to say, but he's not an outspoken, loud guy, not an influencing body presence. And I was like, he's losing people for a lack of i mean one is there people are ordinary and this is the news but he's losing people because he's not able to effectively get them convince them of what he's actually saying yeah they keep saying what he what they want they keep saying about him something else we did a whole episode a couple months ago about communication and one of the things we observed was look if if you communicate at say a, a, a five right scale of one to ten and you're a five communicator but you have subject matter expertise at, at an eight, right? Guess what? You are evaluated, you're perceived, you're judged, you're effective, you're paid right. at a five, not an eight, yeah. right? Even though you're technically really capable and you've got lots of value to bring, if you can only communicate at this level, that creates the lid for your effectiveness. And I think it creates a lid for, for leadership too. So if you if you aspire to, to more leadership, everybody... If you're listening to this, you're probably already a leader. But if you aspire to, to lead better, to lead more, uh, more people, to have more influence, to have better results, you're probably going to have to improve your communication. Everybody, I think of myself as a reasonably competent communicator, but I need to get better as a communicator. We all do. So, all right. So one of the things we observe, right, Ronald Reagan, great communicator, 
um, other people that we've talked about, we see communication. Mm-hmm. We see they're holding themselves to a high standard. Yeah. Right, what, what else shows up? I think that one of the things that I w- wanted to, where I really learned about the leadership principles was in a book we've mentioned from time to time, Jim Collins is Good to Great. Yeah. He talks about these levels. Yeah, of level leadership, five. Right? Yeah. yeah, level five leader. Mm-hmm. What's a level four group, a level four yeah. team, level five team, and all this stuff. Now, this is kind of new to me. I didn't have any research behind this prior to thinking through his concepts. And that level five leadership was a big part of what he talked about, which apparently was very prevalent in Abraham Lincoln's life. Humility. Yes. Big deal for yes. some reason. I was like, I never would have guessed. If yes. I, you know, you lined up 10, 20, 50 attributes, I wouldn't have thought humility would have been the... So for those of you that are not familiar with Jim Collins' work, he did a bunch of research and he identified five companies that, that had been good companies and then something happened and they became great. And he, he studied and did all kinds of empirical evidence gathering and analysis and, and he said, what happened to make this good company great? And he identified... Uh, these various principles. One of them was that they were led by these level five leaders Mm -hmm. that had a humble confidence about them. It wasn't that they were humble like, oh, I'm just going to keep my head down and not... They had had confident humility. They were open to being wrong. They weren't arrogant, but they still exhibited uh, confidence. They set the direction. They inspired a vision. And it's that beautiful mix of humility and confidence that right. makes very, it very, very strange kind of combination that I wouldn't have thought. And so many people and organizations, and maybe your team, is operating if you're thinking and doing well and you're hitting goals at a level four. But this level five was this superhuman thing that I thought because these folks, it wasn't based on their personality is really what the humility yeah. was. It was, in Abraham Lincoln, we kind of all understand that, obviously, in the Western world. It was the idea that the number one thing is the unions got to stay together. It wasn't based on him. Right. Specifically, it wasn't based on his ideas. If you've done the homework that I've done, he had some very flawed ideas about superiority still of white people and things like that. But he knew or thought or believed that the union had to survive. Yeah. And so... We've been talking about these five levels. Talk us through this. Yeah. So, okay. So... What uh, I pulled up here to kind of reference here is number one position. We mentioned that earlier. So that's that influence of that person who's pointing the gun at you. Yeah. Right? That I'm your is boss. The, I'm signing yes. your paycheck. So I've yes. got automatic authority. Right. You've got to follow me. That's a bully at school. That's yeah. an authoritative parent, you know? So their position gives them the authority. So that that's Hitler, right? Yeah. Bad dude. We all agree on that at this point. Okay. Number two is permission. Yeah. So and people follow because they want to follow you. Right. Okay. So somebody else, I, this is um, Jim Collins, I think, five levels. I think John Maxwell states these a little different. But yes, they're kind of universal right. principles. Maxwell says that at first they follow you because they have to. Mm-hmm. Hopefully level two, they follow you because they like you. Right. So, yeah. okay, permission. Yep. Next. There we go. So we've got position and permission. Then three is production. Production. So yep. I get yep. results. Yes. Right? I mean, I produce results. And so if you want to be successful, you're going to get on my train because my train is going somewhere. That is true. Right. Okay. okay. Then level four. Ready? It's people development. It's not just results. Yeah. But it's what you've done for them specifically. So you follow me because I care about you and I'm investing in your growth. I'm actually not just looking at you as a cog in a machine, but but I'm investing in you and trying to help you get better not just as an employee but as a person 
and and you naturally want to follow somebody that cares about you and wants to invest in you, right? Right, and that's natural, right? And some of it is still self-serving is what we're saying here in the level fours because yeah. this person cares about me, they'll do things for me or help me. And then level five, what Maxwell calls the pinnacle. The pinnacle. People follow because of who you are and what you represent. Yeah, it's, it comes down to character and what you stand for and what you represent. You, you're You're standing in for a bigger vision um, and the kind of person you are and the things that you stand for naturally amass leaders. And that's sort of the, the level five leadership, not to be confused with Jim Collins, who talks about this confident humility. So, right. so leadership isn't just telling people what to do. I think that's not. the bottom line. Yeah. Leadership isn't just, just influence, though it certainly includes influence. It's this confident humility. It's casting a vision. It's providing clarity where there is ambiguity, providing direction um, where maybe there's some confusion or I'm not sure how to get there. Um, and it's facilitating great teamwork. So we got to bring this to a close, but mm-hmm. a couple of questions for you. Why do you think there are so few leaders in most organizations? Like most organizations, especially small companies, you walk in and it's like the the genius with a thousand helpers. Yeah. You've got the entrepreneur, the CEO, the business owner who's working really hard and telling everybody what to do. And he's got a thousand helpers. But, but if he doesn't show up, uh, I mean, they maybe aren't going to do the right things or anything at all i don't there's I, not a lot of leaders yeah there. i think Why one of the, i think one of the things is what you said before it's not a clear vision that everyone buys into of where this yep. whole ship is supposed to go at all yeah so that's one of the things another thing that i think is actually pretty natural by those driven growth minded professionals and people that we talk to is that um it's uh that's who they are already on the inside so they just assume or it's harder to work with people like why isn't everybody like this yeah. i'm already like this and i hold myself to high standards or I'm trying to consider or hit some sort of goal, and so it's easier for them, and communicating that or having leadership for other people is different. I've told you before, the, probably the best thing about college, for me, I was homeschooled, I lived in a small like farming community in, in the Midwest, and in retrospect, it was a pretty insular life. Sure, right? Right. Everybody was like me. And when I got to college and moved into the dorms, I remember so clearly... Partway through my freshman semester, I mean, it sounds ridiculous now. It's like, well, duh, didn't you know that? But I remember this epiphany, like realizing, wow, these people are not like me. Like they don't think like me. They don't value the same things. They don't make the decisions the same way. They don't like it. Like these people are not at all like me. And that's okay. But I didn't, I didn't know that people like that existed. Like everybody I knew was sort of like me, you know? And it was such a valuable experience for me. So I think that a lot of entrepreneurs just assume that, well, I show up and I come with batteries included, like I'm self-motivated. Why yeah. aren't you, right? right. And they yeah. assume that. I think another reason why is because most entrepreneurs don't give their teams safe spaces to fail, mm. right? So you the entrepreneur has made mistakes, yeah. right? I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. Of course. Um, and and we know that part of life is learning from those mistakes and moving on. But look, if if you work for me, and you take a little risk and you try to do something good and you make a decision without my authorization and it goes badly and I come in and get mad at you and I blow up and I say, you stupid, why didn't, why'd you make right. the decision? Well, guess what? The next time you're not, you're just going to keep your head down and try not to get in trouble. Yeah. But if I reward you and I say, hey, man, um, let's talk about this. So that didn't work out. Let's talk about why it didn't work out, how we make a better decision. But, but kudos to you for making the call. Like good job taking initiative, taking a risk, trying to do the right thing. I'm going to applaud that you made a decision, even if it wasn't the optimal decision, yeah. right? 
And I think as you do that and as you teach people, they come to you for, you know, a problem. Joe comes in my office and says, hey, boss, you got a problem and, you know, here's what it is. And if I just solve the problem and I say, okay, go do this, Joe never learns to problem solve and never learns leadership himself. But what if I say, hey, okay, um, well, what do you think we should do about it? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you're the boss. Well, here's what I want you to do. Go back to your office and, and come up with at least three possible solutions and then um, check back in with me after lunch and, and let's talk through them. So Joe comes back and he says, okay, I got these three solutions, right? And then I say, all right, w- which one do you think is best? Uh, but, uh, maybe, maybe number two? And we talk through it and maybe I agree or maybe I don't, right, but we talk right. through why it is or isn't the best decision and then I say, all right, good. So we agree, number two, um, go do it. Well, me? Like, yeah, go put put it in place. Right, Let's right. Make it. And before long, Joe just comes by my office and says, hey, boss, I want to let you know we had a problem, but I figured it out, and it's all handled. Awesome. Love it. Right? Love to hear it. So I think those can be the marching orders for some folks. I know that I'm going to deal with some things even in the next 24, 48 hours that are going to be in that zone where give people permission Give them feedback immediately. Let them know that you're counting on them, but you're also cooperating with them in that process. I think that's going to be really helpful. Back to our initial exercise, and we'll wrap with this. Hopefully, you've thought of some leaders that you like. Hopefully, you've identified some character qualities, things like they're able to make good decisions under pressure. They keep a cool head under pressure. They're disciplined. They hold themselves to a high standard. They have character. They're good communicators. Um, they they can provide clarity where there's confusion and all of these kind of, and lots more that we could come up with right. Then here's the challenge: think about your own leadership. I don't care whether you're a C-level executive, the owner, or the cashier at McDonald's. Think about your own leadership and say, how am I doing on those things? Am I good at remaining calm under pressure? Am I appropriately decisive? Am I, um, do I give public praise and private criticism? Do I share credit when the team wins? And do I take responsibility when there was a team failure? And all these kinds of character traits, evaluate yourself against those and pick one or two of them and say, I'm going to work this week on getting better at that. For me, uh, I did this this morning before this podcast. I wrote it and I came up with a whole list of things. And then I identified three or four things where I said, all right, I'm going to work on that trait over the coming few weeks and see if I can't get better. If we're not intentional about our growth, we tend to just float through life and assume that the problem is with everybody else, right? Why can't these people leave? (laughs) Well, let's work on ourselves this week and see how we can become better leaders. You've got your marching orders, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us once again on another great episode, Leadership This Week at Grow With Tim. Mm -hmm.